The reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, the coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in our own native language? Well, good morning. We, uh, we have something a little, little different this morning. Uh, Steve prayerfully prepared a sermon earlier in the week, but as Les mentioned, Steve's come down with COVID, and so we have Steve's sermon, thankfully, with not too many analogies about being a man in the 21st century. Um, so it will be my voice, Steve's sermon, but it is God's word, and it's his Holy Spirit who applies it to our lives. So we're in good hands. How about we pray before we come to look at this message together? Heavenly Father, we, we're just reminded at times that we humans are so fragile and we thank you that you are our unchanging God, that you are our rock, you are our Lord everlasting and that your word never changes. And we thank you, Father, that you are just so invested in feeding your people and we thank you for this message that you have given to Steve. We thank you that your Holy Spirit will take these words and apply them to our hearts and Father we do give ourselves into your hands to be used, to be changed, to grow, that we might go forward and be workers in your kingdom today and evermore. And so be with us now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Not too many people like change. People like stability. They like to know what to expect. And we tend to bring this desire with us when we come to the church and into our theological understandings as well. We like our tight little frameworks to help keep things tidy and under control. And this is not unlike the Jews at the time of Christ. The Pharisees had it all locked down, and the people too knew what was required of them under Judaism. But God blew this out of the water when he gave his Holy Spirit, which was available to all who believed. And so today we come to this magnificent passage concerning the giving of the Holy Spirit, the Christian's power source, if you like. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. What does the word Pentecost mean? Well, it's not the coming of the Holy Spirit, although that's what our minds generally turn to when we hear it. Pentecost is actually the Greek word for 50th. Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover, And it was a Jewish agricultural festival where the farmers would bring the first fruits of their harvest into the temple grounds as a a thank offering to the Lord. 
And it was also an appeal to the Lord that the rest of their crop would be harvested successfully. Pentecost was also a time where the people celebrated the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. If we turn our minds back to Exodus, the journey from Egypt to Mount Sinai took the Israelites 50 days. And the law was given to explain to the people how they were meant to live with and for one another and how they were to live in ways pleasing to the Lord their God. At the time of writing of Acts, Jerusalem's population was estimated to be about 25,000 people. At Pentecost, at that festival, the population would have grown to possibly five times that number, some estimate even greater. Thousands upon thousands of Jews would find themselves in Jerusalem, just as they had at Passover time, when Jesus had been killed. They would come from all over the known world. It would be perhaps a little similar to what we see today where Muslims make their pilgrimage to Mecca. And it was at this time, at Pentecost, when there were Jews present from all over the known world, when they were purposefully centering their thoughts on God, on his faithfulness to them in the past, in giving them the law, and on offering their praises to him for the harvest that he had provided for them, that the promised Holy Spirit is delivered. God's timing is remarkable. Now, Jesus had promised his disciples that they would be baptised with the Holy Spirit. We recall Luke's words in Acts 1, 4 to 5, where he says, On one occasion, when Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for baptism is baptizo, which simply means to be immersed. We recall that John baptised in water. People were, were totally immersed in water in the Jordan River, not just sprinkled. And Jesus says that his followers would be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And this happens at our conversion. We receive the Holy Spirit and we are immersed with him. We receive strength power and boldness from God to accomplish our work and to overcome sin in our lives. And we're told to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. For example, in Ephesians 5, we read, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of pleading with people to abstain from their continual drunkenness, Paul here urges his readers to draw on the reinvigorating resources of the Holy Spirit, to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a continuous replenishment. Paul then goes on to mention some of the things that should therefore naturally occur. He says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to, the, to God, the Father, in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Later in Acts chapter 13, we read of Paul and Barnabas uh, leaving a particular city following a successful outreach to the Gentiles. 
And we see that they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so we mustn't be content that having become a Christian, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that's it. But by being Christ-centred, by spending time with the Lord in prayer and reading his word and by submitting to him, we are seeking to keep on being filled. D.L. Moody was once asked why he urged Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, I need a continual infilling because I leak. He pointed to a water tank nearby that had sprung a bit of a leak and he said, I'm like that. It's a fact that living in this sinful world, we do need to be replenished by the Holy Spirit. And the result will be an ever-growing presence of his fruit in our lives, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Steve asks, are these fruit growing more evident in our lives? If so, then this is evidence of the Holy Spirit. We might pray and ask the Lord for a particular gift, say speaking in tongues, but it's up to Jesus to determine whether that gift will be given or not. The continual infilling with the Holy Spirit, though, is a gift that is available to all who seek God. And the fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we are connected to the vine. The life-giving, transforming work of the Holy Spirit is flowing through us. Jesus also told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We see that in Acts 1 verse 8. The word translated power is the Greek word dunamis, And this Greek word entered the English language when a chemist and engineer, Alfred Nobel, discovered a power stronger than anything the world had ever known up until that time. He asked a friend of his who was a Greek scholar uh, what the name for explosive power, what the word rather for explosive power was in Greek. When his friend answered dunamis, Nobel said, well, I'm going to call my discovery after that name. And so he called this explosive power dynamite. Jesus said, you will receive dunamis, you will receive explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he says, I'm sure the disciples would immediately have recalled the events of Luke 9 when Jesus was teaching them. And, And we read, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power, explosive power, and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. They would no longer be walking around in the shadows, but would be creating them. They would be healing the sick, the blind and the lame, and casting out demons. With the Holy Spirit's guidance and power, And with the authority of Christ, we may also see God perform such miracles. And so the day of Pentecost came and we're told that a noise like a mighty wind was heard. A visual presence of fire alighting on each one of Jesus' followers was seen. And then they started to speak in foreign languages, in in other tongues. 
Languages known to their hearers, but not known to themselves personally. Now, what was the significance of these three phenomena? Well, wind represents the breath of life. You might remember that God breathed into Adam, and Adam was alive. The noise that was like the rushing wind was heard, and and yet the air outside was calm. You can almost imagine, can't you, town folk hearing what they thought was a hurricane and rushing to see what was going on, and yet the air was calm around them. It would have been quite astonishing. The visual presence of fire reminds us of God speaking to Moses through the burning bush. Symbolises that God is present. Now, fire brings into mind a couple of things. It brings into mind warmth. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said this of his conversion experience. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Fire also brings light, the light of understanding, of no longer walking in the darkness, but in the glorious light of seeing life from God's perspective. And the speaking in tongues, this was given for a a specific reason. These were human languages, so that all who travelled to Jerusalem from all over the known world would have the opportunity to hear the gospel, hear of what Jesus had accomplished for them on the cross. And to assure us that the Holy Spirit is given to all believers in Christ, we see that more than just the 12 disciples spoke in tongues, as as we see that 15 language groups are mentioned here in the passage, if we look down to verse 9. And so at Pentecost, this was their experience of God in their midst, the hearing of an almighty wind, seeing the presence of fire resting upon one another, And hearing the speaking in tongues, which led to the opportunity of of sharing of faith and sharing the gospel message. Peter could now address the crowd and let them know who Jesus was, why he had come, why he had been killed, and why he had risen from the dead and appeared to so many of them. The purpose of these three phenomena was that so many would come into a relationship with Jesus. And we're told that around 3,000 people that day came to Christ. They were obedient following Jesus through the waters of baptism and were filled with the Holy Spirit. For the Jews at the time, their, their religious world had been shaken to the core Their tight little frameworks that kept everything tidy and under control were being challenged. Pentecost, a celebration of harvest and a celebration of the giving of the law, was now the time when the Holy Spirit had been given. And the Holy Spirit guides, he comforts, he convicts and he encourages us to live for God and to live for one another a little like the law had done for the Jews. The Holy Spirit produces his fruit with us by his power, perhaps a little like harvest time. He strengthens us and equips us for the task and he shows us how to to live and how to love. 
And as 3,000 were added to their number that day, the ongoing work of bringing in the harvest continues. The disciples and the church are now equipped for the task of witness and mission. This is why we receive the Holy Spirit, to equip us for the task of witness and mission, to fill us with explosive power and allow God's light to create shadows in our world. Max Licardo writes in his book, Just Like Jesus, uh, of a lady who lived in a, a small house on the seashore in Ireland at the turn of the century. She was quite a wealthy woman, but also very frugal. And so the townsfolk were very surprised when she decided to be among the first to have electricity connected to her home. Several weeks after installation, a fellow came to read the meter. He asked her if the power was working well, and she assured him that it was. And he asked her, well, I'm, I'm wondering then why your meter scarcely shows any usage. Are you using any power? Certainly, she answered. Every evening when the sun sets, I turn the lights on just long enough to light my candles. And then I turn them off again. Max Ricardo goes on, she tapped into the power but didn't use it. Her house was connected but not altered. He asks, do we make the same mistake? We too, with our souls saved, but our hearts unchanged. We too can be connected, but not altered. We too can be trusting Christ for salvation, but resisting transformation. We occasionally flick the switch, but most of the time, we settle for shadows. Steve writes, Sadly, I think often we fall for Satan's lie that when he says, sorry, to sit back and and wait for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, the disciples were together praising God and spending much time in prayer. They weren't just sitting around doing nothing. They were seeking the Father consistently. They were spending time together. In seeking the Father... They were open to new things that God had prepared for them. Are we earnestly seeking the Father? In 1 Timothy 6, Paul is telling Timothy and us to pursue God. He says, but you, man or woman of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Do we pursue God? Or do we wait for him to come to us? Are we inviting the Holy Spirit to keep filling us and ready to follow his lead when we sense him prompting us? Are we trusting in his power to achieve his purposes? May we be a people filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with joy, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit and witnessing to Jesus wherever he may lead us all the days of our lives. Amen.